This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today's topic is money in retirement. And with me today, I have financial planner Byron Paulsma. Welcome, Byron. Thanks, Mary. Glad to have you here. All right, so money in retirement. When you think about the time of life that you're retired and you think about money inside of it, people start to do something a little bit funny and that they they really start to get super conservative and worried that they're going to run out, even if they have a lot. <laughs> so I'm sure you've experienced that with you working with clients over time. That's right. Yeah, they're they're concerned about that big fear yes. of, of running out of money before they are, are through with their life. So we're going to talk about money in retirement and some things to think about so that you can diminish some of that fear and and help yourself know that if you have things set up right, then you're not going to have to worry quite so much about that happening. All right, so the basics then of money during retirement is understanding what's coming in and what's going out. (laughs) I think that's pretty basic. (laughs) That's right. And, yeah, it's a cash flow issue just like we have during the rest of our lives. Yep. Mm -hmm. But the difference in retirement from the cash flow issue is if you're not working anymore, you lose confidence that there's going to be enough money coming in. That's right. And that's where the fear starts to set in for people. So let's talk a little bit about what kind of money might be coming in. So there's things that are called fixed income streams. And a fixed stream of income means that it's just going to come in. It's not going to vary. It's a fixed amount. It's going to come in at a fixed time. So fixed income is going to be things like your Social Security check showing up every month. That's right. Another big one, Mary, for people who are lucky enough to have them are pensions. Right. Yes. And and I think that you made a good point there. You have to be kind of lucky anymore to have a pension because a lot of employers don't offer those. Most don't anymore. That's right. That's a little bit of a thing in the past. They may have mm-hmm. been replaced by, say, 401ks. Yep, exactly. So if you don't have a pension anymore, but you have a 401k, then the real question is, how do you set that 401k money up after you've retired to create income for you. And there's a big, big difference in financial planning of how to accumulate money while you're working versus how to distribute it once you're not working anymore. That's right. And it's a it's a key thing. People have worked all their lives to save all that money for retirement. And then that distribution of that money is there are a lot of strategies out there, and some aren't very good, <laughs> but uh, it, it's important to have a good strategy to work with. One of the strategies that people frequently use in retirement is called a fixed with fixed strategy. And a fixed with fixed strategy means that the fixed income streams coming in are going to cover the fixed expenses that you have. So let's talk a little bit about the money going out, these fixed expenses. If you have a mortgage payment due, that's a fixed expense. It's something that's due every month. That's right. If Go ahead. Well, I was going to say some other ones that you'd have, obviously, your utilities that you'd mm-hmm. have, your, your uh, uh, transportation costs, et cetera, and the insurance costs. Those are all going to basically remain the same in retirement. 
Exactly. So those bills that you pay the same time every month, those are pretty much your fixed expenses. And so if you can align the fixed expenses you have with the fixed income you have, then at least you're going to know your basics are taken care of and you're going to have a little bit less worry because if the basics are taken care of, then you're going to feel confident that you're going to get by. You're going to be okay. Now, in my opinion, getting by and being okay isn't really the name of the game. (laughs) We really want you to be loving your retirement and thriving in your retirement and having plenty of money for the discretionary things, not just the fixed things. Absolutely. It's really rewarding in, in our industry to see folks that are enjoying retirement. And I think a key part of that is the financial aspect of it, that they're not facing the financial stress right? Uh, because they've maybe done some, some very good planning along the way. Absolutely. So financial stress comes from fear of running out or not knowing if you have enough, that, that just um, general unknowingness. And that's what good financial planning is going to be able to create clarity for you on is do you have enough and is your income and your expenses set up in such a way that you're not bleeding to a point where you may someday not have enough? So good financial planning is going to help you pinpoint how much money you can spend based on what you have going on in your situation with your incomes, with the assets that you've built and things like that. Now, here's one of the biggest mistakes that people make in retirement. One of the biggest mistakes that they make is that they get to retirement and think, oh, I got to become more conservative now because I don't want to lose the money that I've built. Right? You hear that all the time from people. That's Mm -hmm. right. And the truth is, it does make sense to get more conservative, but not necessarily with all of your money. And the, the mistake that people make is they take all of their retirement money and they get more conservative. And they're doing that to protect themselves, but the result is they're not giving any of their money a really good opportunity to continue to grow. Right. One of the issues they face is buying power. Mm -hmm. Uh, The money that they, the the costs of things today obviously are going to be higher sometime down the road. Mary, we probably have some listeners that have have paid more for a car than they've paid for their first house. Exactly. (laughs) So, so when you think about those kind of things and then, and then the longevity that, we seem to have now, you might be in retirement for 20, 30 years. So you need to plan for those additional costs coming down the road. And on, on fixed on fixed rate uh, assets, it's kind of difficult to do. It certainly can be. And that's why you don't necessarily want to get conservative with everything. You want to still give some of your money the opportunity to grow because if it is going to still be invested for 20 or 30 years, you've got a long time for that to grow and compound. So you don't want to take the ability away to do that. But it is balanced with this idea that you do have to get more conservative because when you retire, you run into this new type of risk called sequence of returns risk. And sequence of returns risk basically says if you have negative returns in the first few years of your retirement while you're pulling money, having the negative returns at the beginning of your retirement sequence could potentially create an environment that you might never recover from. It's people like that, if you have that, that are the people you hear saying, oh, I retired, but now I have to go back to work. 
So remember back in 2008 when we had that big recession? Sure. We had that happen, or we heard, not we didn't have that happen, but we heard people talking about that all the time of, oh, my retirement accounts just got hit so bad that I have to go back to work. And it's because they were pulling out money from accounts that had just lost 30 or 40%. And when you pull out money after that happens, it never has a chance to recover in a healthy way. So what do you do? You have to segregate your money a little bit. You've got to kind of bucket it into a couple of different buckets. The first bucket is going to be the money you're going to use soon, let's say in the first 10 years. And the rest of your money can be invested in a bucket that you're going to use later, like after the next 10 years. Right. And that, that later bucket, then, that allows you to take advantage of the what they call the time value of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of compounding interest on, on, a, on a bank account or something like that, where over time it's going to help you to, to hold that, but you're going to have more growth opportunity. If you, if you place it with some, some investments that are a little bit more aggressive and can give you that growth chance. Absolutely. So that later bucket that Byron's talking about is something where it is more growth-oriented. And if you know you're not going to use it until later, then if there is a market downturn, you still have time for that money to come back again before you actually have to use it. So it's that time value of money he's mentioning. It's that time in the market that allows that money to potentially grow and and give you the advantages of a a more moderate to aggressive strategy. Now, the soon bucket, though, the money you're going to use in the next 10 years, that is the money that you want to be more conservative with. That's the money you do want to say, oh, gosh, I really do want to protect this more. I don't want to lose that. Because if you're going to live on it sooner rather than later, then you have to think about a different investment strategy for it. So like I said at the beginning of this, the biggest mistake is that people take all of their money and get more conservative. And what we help people strategize to do is to figure out how much money should be in that more soon bucket and how much can be in that later bucket. And then you're not getting conservative with all of your money. You're just getting conservative with the right amount of money. All right. So the next thing I want to talk about when it comes to money and retirement is your spending patterns. So Byron, based on the retirement planning that you've done for people over the years, what's the time period in retirement where you would say people spend the most money? Well, it's kind of an interesting uh, thing that maybe some of our listeners have heard of these three different time periods in retirement. The go-go period when you're (laughs) just retired, uh, going very fast, the slow-go period, and then at the end, the no-go period. (laughs) And, and some of that has to do with a person's health, obviously. Yep. But, uh, Mary, those first few years, that go-go period when you're doing all those things on your bucket list now that you, you don't have the time spent in work and, and you, you can take that time and, and, and do, like I said, those things you've been planning to do for years, that's probably where you're going to be spending the most money. I think you're absolutely right. When you put your go-go boots on and you're out there kicking it, then you are definitely going to be spending the most money. This is when we see people spend the most on travel. So a lot of times when we're working with people and they're they're transitioning into retirement, they're saying, oh, I want to do more traveling because now I'll have time to do it. 
And so frequently what we'll do is in the first 10 years, we'll inject a little bit more into the budget for travel, knowing that they're going to do some more of that the first 10 years, but it probably will wane after that to some degree as they get older and move into that slow go period (laughs) (laughs) before they hit the no go period. That's right. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about your actual money in retirement. And we've talked about what's coming in and what's going out, and we've talked about the fact that most people spend the most money during the first, say, 10 years of their retirement. Now I want to talk a little bit about the concept that there's still a lot of life left. So when you're thinking about your retirement and you're thinking about your money in retirement, You do have to consider the idea that what if you live for a really long time? (laughs) And then this is called longevity risk. What if you live longer than you had anticipated? Especially since there are medical advances coming out all of the time that cure things that weren't cured before and allow us to live longer. Yes, uh, I was thinking of our, my in-laws, they both live to be almost 91 and that maybe isn't completely un- uncommon anymore. Right. Where people are living into their 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, and not only just living into their 90s, but maybe have pretty good health yet. Yep. Living independently yes. into their 90s. Right. So I know that when you turn 100 years old, I believe you get a birthday card from the President of the United States. So like this is one of my big goals is I would like to live long enough to get a birthday card from the president, whoever the president is at time, whether I like him or not, yeah. it won't even matter. I just want my hundredth birthday card from the president. <laughs> now, Mary, that that could be a female, too. So it certainly could. Well, let's hope right. so. By yeah. golly. <laughs> so here's the thing is that if I want to live to 100, it means that I've got to set my money up in such a way that it's going to last me to a hundred or beyond. And when when Social Security was first created, I don't think people necessarily know this, but back when they created Social Security and they said, we're going to give you this money back, we're going to start letting you take money back out of Social Security when you're 65, why did they pick that age? They picked that age because that was the average age people died. <laughs> we only lived until then. <laughs> So they may not have had a whole lot of people who were claiming Social Security for 10, 20 years back in those days. Exactly. Yeah, they didn't ever really anticipate paying back the way that it's being paid back now. So when you think about your own retirement, now if 65 was the age that they anticipated you to live to then, now it's in your mid to late 80s for people is the average lifespan of a human. And for people who are being born today, the average lifespan is up around that 100 plus mark. So if people are living longer, it means two things. It means you may need more income during retirement. So you may retire from a job that is your main job, but work part-time to supplement your income because you want to and because you can physically if your health is better. But the other thing is your money has to last you longer. So we can't just plan for it to last you to your mid-80s anymore. That's we right. usually plan till at least 95 for people. And we talked about that earlier with the... Uh the money that you're not going to need for a number of years, mm-hmm. how to invest that differently than the uh, 
That's why that later bucket, yeah, we were talking about is so important. Okay, so one of the things, though, that happens with money in retirement is you've got some interesting risks that come up, and one of the big ones is health-related risks. So as you age and your health declines, not only do you have just the day-to-day health things to consider, but at some point in time, about 60% of people end up needing some type of longer-term care. Whether it's home health care, whether it's assisted living, whether it's, you know, an actual nursing home stay. But we need some type of longer term care for a chronic health issue. Maybe it's going to get better, but for many people, unfortunately, it's just never going to get better. But you might have a long period of time that you need this care. And that can blow up even the best laid retirement plans. Exactly. Yep, and and uh, we've talked a little bit before about long term care insurance and mm-hmm. how that can how, how that can help people out, and that is something that really uh, folks should really strongly look at in terms of placing as part of their retirement planning. Yep. So here, one of the biggest questions that we get from a health related standpoint like that is, do I really need this long term care insurance? So let me break down to you who I think needs to at least consider it. So if you have around $300,000 or less of retirement assets, then I question whether or not you need to consider it. And here's why. If that's the amount of money that you have to last yourself through your 20 or 30 years of retirement, the practicality or the the rules of money are going to suggest that you're going to need that money to live on. And you're not going to want to probably utilize a good chunk of it to buy insurance to set yourself up for care. So I'm not poo-pooing that amount of money by any means. I am saying, though, that the cost of insurance is going to be a significant part of that retirement asset. It might not be the right spend for you. Now, if you have $3 million or more of retirement assets, you probably have enough money where you can go ahead and spend money on the care, and it's not going to blow up your retirement plan completely. You can kind of self-insure. But if you're in the middle of that, if you're between 300000 of retirement assets and $3 million of retirement assets, you're really in that sweet spot of people who should consider some type of long-term care insurance. Now, there's a whole bunch of different kinds out there. And the type that you utilize is going to be very personal for your situation. You really should get some personal counseling about this from an advisor because there are many types, there are many kinds, and how it slots into your financial plan is going to be different than your neighbors or your friends or your brothers. Yeah, Mary, there's some variables with that. You can get it for longer periods of time mm-hmm. uh, and or maybe even for a lifetime if you'd yep. like. Of course, your costs are going to be higher if you do that. Mm-hmm. You can also vary how much benefit you will get each month. Uh, so those are a couple of things you can look at in terms of how that fits into your particular financial situation. And you can also decide how much of the need you want to insure against. So let's just say the cost of a nursing home was $5,000 a month. Maybe you've got a good pension that's going to cover $2,000 of it, so you don't need to solve for the whole five. You just maybe need to cover the rest that your pension isn't going to cover. But one of one of the problems that uh, folks seem to have is almost the fear of even checking into it. Yes, if, uh, it's so overwhelming. It is. It's a it, big you question. hear so many horror stories, mm-hmm. how much it costs and everything, and, and everybody has an experience, every family does, with, mm-hmm. with nursing homes, it appears, so... So, yeah, but I think it's important for people, as you mentioned, maybe you don't have to insure for the whole thing, 
but maybe at least part of it would, would really be beneficial for yep. your family. Absolutely. Okay, another thing that we want to talk about with money in retirement is the concept of consolidating your accounts. So consolidating your accounts, especially retirement accounts, could be a strong strategy for you. And here's why. When you get to the age of 70 and a half, you have to start doing something called a required minimum distribution from your IRAs or your 401ks and things like that. Your traditional IRAs are the ones that I'm talking about. Uncle Sam has allowed you to uh, hold off on paying taxes on that yep. until that age. Now they but want he, their share. That's right. He's not going to do that forever. <laughs> exactly. So this required minimum distribution has to happen. And the amount of required minimum distribution is based on the total amount of aggregated dollars you have in all of your different retirement accounts. So if you have a whole bunch of different retirement accounts scattered around in different places, if you don't take the right amount from each one of them, then you're going to have an IRS penalty. And Byron, share with our listeners how much the IRS penalty is. It's not very pretty. No, nope. It's 50%. 50%. That's so crazy that we can have a penalty of that amount. So if you were supposed to take $10,000 out and you missed it, you owe $5,000 of a penalty. It's, it's insane. So this is not something you want to mess up. <laughs> So it's so much easier to manage it if you do some account consolidation because then you're going to be sure that you're you're knowing every single dollar is accounted for, your required minimums were actually taken, and you don't end up having this big fat IRS penalty. <laughs> so if you'd like to talk to someone about account consolidation, if you want to make sure you're setting yourself up to not miss those required minimum distributions, and we'd love for you to give our office a call and visit with one of our financial planners about something called an account consolidation strategy. All right, we hope this has been valuable for you listening, especially those of you who are at, near, or already into retirement about what to be thinking about with your money at that point in life. And thanks again for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049 and can be reached at 605-217-3555.